Welcome to episode 37 of Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond, a global communication skills training organization. Are we in a trust recession? Are you viewed simply as an answer ATM? And why do we feel the need to use so many qualifiers before giving someone an honest answer? Listen to my conversation with organizational and leadership development expert, Ron Carucci, to get the answers. In addition to being the managing partner for organizational and leadership development consulting firm, Navalent, Ron is also a contributor to Harvard Business Review and Forbes, a two-time TEDx speaker, and author of To Be Honest, Lead with the Power of Truth, Justice, and Purpose. This episode is bursting with actionable tips and strategies to not only help you become a better communicator, but better overall leader. I hope you enjoy. Ron, thank you for being here with me today. Scott, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Ron, to get us started, maybe just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, career journey, and really what it is that you're doing today. So I have spent the last 20 years or 18 years now uh, as a managing partner at a consulting firm I helped found called Navalent. And we work with executives, uh, mostly senior leaders in organizations of all kinds, helping them navigate the messy work of big transformation. We help them as leaders, we help them with teams, and we help them with designing their organizations and strategies to, to reach the competitive aspirations they have and to help them thrive and create environments where other people can thrive. What what brought you into that line of work? You know, I think uh, since I was a kid, I always had a, a, a you know a deep fascination for organization of human endeavor. You know, when you I'd be the kid that organized the stickball games or the school fairs or the you know events in the neighborhood because I I was always had this deep intrigue for what happens when you when you bring people together to do something they couldn't do on their own, uh, and so over the course of my earlier career and then eventually into organizational behavior, I found that there's actually a way to do that for a living. Interesting. It kind of made me think when when you said you were the one that always organized all the, the games and events, my my wife's friends all call her the cruise director. So whenever they get together and do something, she's always the one that goes out there, coordinates everything, plans everything and keeps everybody in line. So no, that's great to hear. You know, as, as you think about really the, the work that you're doing today, and as you mentioned, bringing about change and transformation in organizations, working with, with leaders, I'm sure communication plays a big part of that, especially in a successful change or transformation. So Ron, from, from your standpoint, when you hear the term, whether it's communication skills or somebody's a great communicator, what comes to mind for you? Well, after recently spending 15 years studying honesty, uh, and my, my recent book is To Be Honest, Lead with the Power of Truth, Justice, and Purpose. Um, for me, it's telling the truth. It's someone not who's just believable, but really is being honest. Um, a lot of people can feign honesty and sound authentic and sound well-meaning. And then later you find out that that wasn't the case. But I think those leaders that can resonantly tell the truth in compassionate but firm ways to other people, to whether it's mm-hmm. large groups of folks or whether it's um, in an individually. I think, uh, you, you know, if you think about all the different qualifiers we have to begin our sentences, um, can I be honest? Well, to tell you the truth, well, let me be frank. Uh, I'm my mother's grave. 
hand of God. You know, I mean, the list goes on of all, you know, uh, I want to be perfectly blunt with you. You know, let me be clear. Why, why do we have to have so many qualifiers for what we're about to say? Because we're so uncomfortable saying it. Uh, and I, I wanted to understand under what conditions people will tell the truth and behave well and to the beautiful sign on the back of your wall, treat people nicely. And under what conditions they'll be jerks. And so our 15-year study revealed uh, what those conditions are and how you can predict whether people will tell the truth and behave fairly and when they won't. And first, tr trustworthiness. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're, I think today we're in a trust recession. And I think if you don't know how to earn and keep the trust of others um, on an ongoing basis, no amount of technique is going to, you know, help you in your communications if, in fact, people don't trust you. One of the things that that I would think about when it comes to to trust and honesty, I think it's probably twofold. Partially, it is that that organizational culture that has been created and developed over time, where people feel comfortable being honest and you know, speaking the truth in a hopefully a nice way, a, a candid, positive, candid way. But also, I think when people feel comfortable, perhaps to not know the answer to things, I think a lot of times when people aren't truthful, they aren't honest, it may not necessarily be in a malicious or, or an implicitly malicious way. It's because they're fearful of saying, you know what, I don't know. So they try to make make something up along the way. So I think if organizations really can establish that type of culture where people feel comfortable asking questions or saying, I don't know, not having all the answers, it really does help to lead to that trust and honesty. I totally agree, Scott. I think that too many leaders think their job is to be the answer ATM. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's your humanity that's your greatest source of credibility, not your intelligence. And and people know you don't know. And so when you feign knowing something, or when you sound like you're making it up, uh, sometimes you know I, I agree. I don't think people are motivated by self-interest. I think they're motivated by self-protection, and they're trying to not look fallible, or trying to not look like they don't know something, or look incompetent. Um, your greatest sign of competence is knowing your limitations. Your vulnerability is actually one of your greatest sources of credibility. Uh, and when you can say, I don't know, you give people permission to do the same. I think if you're a leader and you don't have somebody coming into your office several times a week saying something that makes you uncomfortable, you can be very confident your leadership sucks mm -hmm. because they're telling somebody. And if they're not telling you, you have to wonder who they are telling and why they're not telling you. Every night at dinner at the dinner table of those you lead, people are telling stories about you. And if you don't know what stories they're telling, you should want to get in on the conversation. You know, I, I think of this this idea of saying, I don't know, and especially with throughout my career, a lot of that being in sales and sales leadership. And from a, a sales perspective, that is a very important statement to be comfortable with saying is, I don't know. And as a sales leader, really wanting to model that for the folks on my team when I'm in client meetings with them, because it gets really dangerous really quickly when you try to wing it or perhaps just make something up and hope that it's right when you're in front of a client or making promises to a client. So as a leader, as you're able to model those skills, that that's really important. And then as we talked about, create that culture where people feel comfortable asking questions and you feeling comfortable saying, you know, I don't know, but I'll find out or let's figure this out together. Well, I think nowhere could it be as important as it is in a, in a, in a selling relationship where you're asking someone for money. 
uh, and to not be trustworthy. And if and if salespeople see it only as a transaction, um, and they, they don't understand their role is to help first, sell later. Um, you're you're meeting people at some of the most vulnerable times in their career or some of the most uncertain times. Um, they expect you to do something untrustworthy. They expect you to upsell them or give them some line about why your product is better than somebody else's. Um, and selling is one of the most trust-reducing behaviors, precisely because we sell rather than help or care mm -hmm. or be curious or inquire. Um, the greatest salespeople don't sell anything. Their greatest success comes from because they, they people believe they cared and they solved the problem. I 100% agree with that. I love that you brought that up. If you think about the selling profession, there are just so many negative stereotypes and connotations that go along with it because there are over time, lots and lots of salespeople out there that truly are selling, pressuring, lying, manipulating people. But if you really go in and focus on you know asking questions, figuring out how can I help this person solve their problem or overcome the challenges that they're having, the sales part tends to work itself out. They see the value in what you're bringing to the table. And to me, it becomes more of a formality of simply paperwork right. on the back. And if you've done that job of building the relationship, establishing your credibility, establishing trust, and you do that through asking questions and listening, and then discussing how you can help based on what you heard. And, and to be honest about the times when you believe you, you or your product can't help. And you know, when you're sitting in front of somebody who's the wrong customer for you, how, how many salespeople are reticent to lose an opportunity by simply saying, we're not right for you, but let me tell you somebody who might be. I, two weeks ago, went through that exact same scenario with one of the sales reps on the team. We had a, a prior client moved roles, reached out to us about something. And very quickly we realized this isn't for us. So we simply told him, you know, this is not where we can help, but we believe we have people in our network that we can. So give us a couple of days. Let us talk to some of our connections, get back to him. We were able to get him set up with somebody who really does specialize in what he's looking to do versus us trying to fake it until we make it. Right. And it ends up becoming a disaster all the way around. So spot on. And I just want to go back to one thing. I love the answer ATM machine. That is, I'd never heard that before as a leader. I, I, that is, that is fantastic. Ron, as you, as you think about you know, the work that you're doing throughout your career, we touched a little bit on it with, with honesty, but thinking through the, the communication or the soft skills that really are important in the workplace today, what are you seeing that the skills that are desperately needed or perhaps things where people really are excelling and you're seeing those have an impact on the business. Given the population of people that I spend my time with, which are mostly executives, um, the thing I find myself repeating more than ever is reminding them about the importance of deep listening. Um, one of the exercises I typically do when I'm getting first thing to know an executive team is I'll just keep a little you know, sticky note of hashtags and I'll keep a little scoreboard of the number of times I hear declarative sentences versus the number of times I hear genuine questions. Uh, not questions that have the answer in them. Like, you don't really want to do that, do you? Not a question. Um, and of course, the ratio is always like seven or eight to one uh, on, a, on a good team. And on a bad team, there's never any questions. It's always simultaneous monologues. There's no dialogue. Um, and it's astounding to me how ill-prepared leaders are to really sit and take in other people's information. Uh, not 
preparing to respond or refute or reject, but simply just to understand. And, and as cliche as we've heard, you know, um, the remark about listen first to understand and be under, not be understood, how little people do it. And so I, I'm, I, I wish, if there were two things I wish we could introduce into first grade curriculums, it would be listening skills and problem solving skills. We don't teach kids what those things mean. And so we're, we're more focused on their verbal acuity and their confidence and their assertion and their ability to carry themselves well, all good skills, but not the capacity to actually sit and wonder and, and be curious about someone else's point of view, even if you don't, especially when you don't agree with it. Um, so that's the first one. The second one, of course, is, is civil discourse, right? We've lost our capacity to disagree. We've lost our capacity to appreciate and acknowledge when someone else doesn't think the way we do and let it be okay. Um, and we have, you know, social media algorithms that are to thank for a lot of that. But mm -hmm. I, I wish we could simply be okay with being, with being different from other people and their, and their views um, and letting, letting differences prevail. Um, but we don't like conflict. As human beings, we don't like difference. We don't like conflict. We want to squelch it, avoid it, um, refute it, convert it. Uh, and I think there's a, those are just toxifying our work relationships and experiences because people are hiding themselves. They're hiding their views. You're having clicks and echo chambers all fragment organizations into silly little camps. I mean, we're, you know, human beings are tribal by nature. That's, our, that's how we're wired. But tribalism doesn't have to mean we and they, right? We can just expand the we, uh, but we're just not, we don't seem to be predisposed to do that these days. And, that, and it's disappointing to watch. So when I see leaders who are very good at listening, at absorbing, at having their mind changed, at allowing people to push back and disagree and let that disagreement be okay and not have to have somebody win, it really is remarkable. And the experience of those around them and the performance results are remarkably differentiated in those environments. Yeah, you, you see, I think you see this a lot where leaders tend to, and I'm painting with broad strokes here, but there's some leaders that tend to surround themselves with people who are just going to agree with them, right? They, they want that echo chamber. They want people that are saying, yep, that, that right, that's right. Go ahead, go forth with that. Typically doesn't end well. And when you talked a little bit about those deep listening skills and teaching listening skills and problem solving, you know, for me, those two go hand in hand. And I think where, people get tripped up is the difference between really understanding problem solving skills and being a problem solver. Mm -hmm. So I think some people are just naturally problem solvers. They see something that's not working right. They just want to jump in. I know how to fix this. Let me fix this. I will say that's my natural inclination and something that I work on almost every day is to slow down a little bit, not just jump right in and try and fix, but to step back and start asking questions because I may be able to just jump in and fix something, but it might not be the best way to fix it. And it might break two weeks later uh, or a month later or cause a ripple effect down the line because of, I didn't really ask questions and understand what's going on. So well, I, I, really I think about the you, connection there. You also, you know, the speed at which your mind works may mean that you're solving the wrong problem. How often mm -hmm. do we see leaders jump to conclusions and they put the answer in the, oh, the problem is we need more resources. No, the problem is you have too many priorities, right? But, but once you define the problem as a certain thing, you, you're off and running. And once you've named a problem as a solution, you've missed 20 other options for how you define the problem. Mm -hmm. You know, if I ask, 
one of the questions I love to ask groups is, if I had two pieces of string hanging from the ceiling of different lengths and they couldn't reach, how would you attach them if, if you, your goal was to attach them? And some people would say, move the string. Some people would say, tie more string on. Wait, you tell me that you did, one had to find the problem as ceiling's too big, one to find the problem as string's too short. And, 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 you, and when you take that and overlay it onto an organization, and you've got lots of people trying to get lots of things done and prosecute lots of um, objectives, one person, one set of issues defining the problem two different ways, you're going to send hundreds of people off in opposing directions, you know, to squander lots of resources and time and energy only to have something that they can't put together later. And so, you know, especially at leadership levels, when you're trying to address a challenge, which, you know, I mean, I think the research says that leaders solve on average 180 something problems a week. If you're not good at defining, prioritizing, marshalling, mobilizing the right people and resources to get those things uh, addressed, think about the, just the incredible capacity you're hemorrhaging out of the door um, beyond people's day jobs. Mm. Absolutely. And I think you hit on something there earlier that, that's really important is that sometimes if you jump right into it and you're not really asking questions, you're solving for a symptom and not the true problem, right? You, you touched on, okay, we need more resources. Let's hire a bunch more people. But maybe the true problem is people are spending half of their day in meetings that aren't really necessary, or they're spending, I think what the, the average is 4.5 hours a day on email because People aren't strong writers and they're emailing when it should be a call and vice versa. So you're absolutely stepping back and really doing that, that discovery and asking questions to try and find out what is the true problem here and let's solve for that. Yeah. Ron, as you think about your career journey, you mentioned you've been working with, uh, you found in this business, been working on it for the past 18 years, working with a lot of organizations and clients to help them be successful. If you had to go back and think through your career, what would say be one or two your communication skills or skills that really helped you to be successful? Well, I think the first one is, um, is being able to be direct and honest. Leaders rely on me to, to tell them things other people won't tell them, you know, but not just be, being a blunt instrument, but being caring about it. Like leaders, mm -hmm. somebody, somebody uh, on social media said of me, and I think this was a compliment. They said, Ron is the only person I know that can tell someone to go to hell and they'll ask him for directions. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I, I tend to be very clear because, because there's so much at stake. Mm -hmm. um, and when people ask me, how did you become so comfortable doing that? I think it's the fear of not doing it. I think it's a fear of an executive who was relying on my help for, for something really important part of their life and their, their company's life coming to me and saying, wait, you knew that that was a potential issue and you didn't tell me? Uh, that keeps me up at night. But saying to somebody, uh, that behavior in that meeting was really unacceptable and here's why. Or let me tell you, if you pursue that option, here's what, what I can almost guarantee is going to happen because I've seen it mm -hmm. a hundred times before. M making people bristle or get defensive or that doesn't bother me at all because they know that I'm on their side and then I care. And I wish more people, you know, whenever we collect our data from our organizations, they tell us things they would never tell each other that they should be telling each other. And I put back in front of them everything we hear. So I force them to listen to each other just through a different mechanism where they it's anonymous but i they hear verbatim the things we hear and i i'm often sitting in these interviews thinking what would happen if they could just tell these things to each other what if they didn't need me or my firm 
to coalesce these incredibly difficult but wise and insightful ideas. Uh, you know, and hopefully they don't need me to do it again, but it brings them together in a way that they'd not experienced each other before. So I think that's one. I think the other is, um, uh, is humor, is having a good sense of humor and being able to help, being able to laugh at things that need to be laughed at or laugh at myself and just lighten the mood. You know, so um, I grew up in a New York Italian family, so sarcasm comes very easily for us. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think, you know, uh, helping people laugh and um, find the humor in an otherwise sometimes difficult moment can help just lower the temperature in the room and help people move forward. Thought on. No, I think and too, sometimes with, with sense of having a sense of humor, people confuse it with, I always have to be on, I have to be performing all the time, but it is knowing sometimes when to laugh or when to kind of maybe poke a little bit of fun at yourself really does help build relationships and make connections with people. And you know, the one thing that you talked about, you know, when you were you know, hitting on the, the skill of being honest and direct. So if you're a consultant, you're in sales, people absolutely are relying on you to do that because you're there to help solve them problems. I take that on as a people leader as well. If you aren't willing to have that direct, honest conversation with the people on your team, you're failing as a leader because ultimately your job is to help them to be successful. That's really what it comes down to. And if you're seeing things that they're doing that are hindering that, or they're going to keep them from accomplishing their goals or ultimately not achieve what they need to do and have to be fired from the organization, that really comes back to you, you know, being able to identify it, communicate it, and then help them, you know, change behavior, move past it. And if you if you're telling yourself that you're withholding that information because you don't want to hurt their feelings or because they're having a rough day or maybe it was just a one time thing, that's crap. Um, and it's never it's never kind to withhold information that can help somebody be better. Um, it's it's cruel. It's actually mm -hmm. it's an act of cruelty for you to have information that could help somebody be successful. They may of course they won't like hearing it. Of course it won't feel good. That's that's okay. It's life isn't you know. <laughs> having difficult moments in life is the price of admission to a good life. Uh, and so if you're not willing to make people, leadership is the ability to disappoint people at a rate they can absorb. Uh, and if you're not willing to, to make people feel uncomfortable, you shouldn't be leading. Ron, you just hit on the, these skills, this idea of being honest and direct, having, having a sense of humor. You know, if you think, has there been somebody throughout your life or your career that has really influenced your, your communication style, kind of helped you to, to get to that, that point? You know, so maybe what did you take from them and tweak and make your own? Well, I've, I've had the very good fortune of having some incredible mentors. One woman who's been a mentor of mine now for 30-something years, and she still is, and she still kicks my butt and pushes me and challenges me and has helped me work through lots of my own difficult challenges. I think we've helped each other with the blunt thing. I think she was even more blunt than I was. And so we've helped temper each other. Um, I've had lots of great colleagues and friends who have been great role models for me as listeners or question askers. Um, I've had I, some of the colleagues in my firm are remarkably socially skilled. I'm a high introvert by nature, so I don't naturally think about the social aspects. But um, one woman uh, that worked at my firm for many years uh, has since gone on to do greater things in her career, but she had the most remarkable ability to ask people about their lives and to inquire and to seek information and to remember that information. And then next time we saw them to ask, hey, how's your husband after his surgery? You know, just a remarkable capacity for social grace and social um, 
creating social connection with people. And, and it, I, she really was an incredible example to me and I don't, I'll never match her skill. But it is a reminder to me to always, you know, if somebody asks me, how's your day? Or how are you doing? Or what's new with your family? Or how's your family doing? To always say, and how's yours? To remember to inquire back. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little thing, but it really is important that people know you care. And it's one of the simplest ways to show that you care is to just inquire. Yeah, and it's, I will tell you, as an introvert myself, that has been always one of the, the more challenging things for me. It took a lot of work to get to that point where, and I would receive feedback early on in my leadership career that like, yeah, Scott's very business oriented to the point. That's really all he talks about. But what I noticed, and I had some leaders that really helped me with this because I saw how they interacted with people. I recognized how they were interacting with me. Taking just that time to talk, you know, the personal stuff, ask people how they're doing. And as you mentioned, remember something that they brought up. They got a new pet, their kids going to this championship for lacrosse or somebody's ill to really take the time. It shows that you care about them as a person, builds a relationship, builds a credibility, hopefully builds that trust up and takes the, the connection to the next level. Ron, as we are wrapping up here, what advice would you have to somebody, whether they're fresh out of school, maybe going into the workplace, a budding entrepreneur, or you know, mid-career looking to make a change? What advice would you have for them around communication skills and how they can impact their career? Practice. It, this is not, you know, you don't show up on the Olympic playing field and row a gold medal, right? You practice for years. Um, there is not a career today in the world uh, for which relationship building, connection to others, um, no amount of technical skill is going to replace the need for you to be able to interact with other people effectively. Get, get feedback. Get, find some way for others to tell you whether or not you're a good listener, whether or not you're caring, whether or not you're verbose, um, whether or not you're too shy or too awkward. Um, you know, these are the moments that, of course, these are formative experiences, so they're not going to be polished skills, but you have to practice. Set aside time every week to role play good listening skills, to role play good assertion skills, to role play good presentation skills. You have to practice. These are not natural skills to some people. Some people are very gifted, but all of us have places we can show mm -hmm. up. And if you don't know what yours are, don't wait till you lose a job or the 10th time you don't get the job after interviewing to figure out what is it about your presence that may not be um, putting others at ease or making them connect to you or feel attached to you. Attachment is a, is a, um, it's a skill set, right? It's a, it's a human connection, a Google attachment theory to understand how you attach to others. Um, or if you don't attach, why not? But we're all creating attachment every day. And if we're not strengthening those attachments or don't know the skills we need to establish them, we're not going to have a very rewarding set of experiences in relationship in the world. And if you have a hope to marry or have kids or have good friendships or, you know, have meaningful connections to others in the world, it's not just a, some mysterious pixie dust you sprinkle on yourself. It really is a skill set that you actually have to work at. Couldn't agree more. And it's just like, as you mentioned, anything, whether you want to get better at golf or tennis or cooking, it takes that practice. You have to put in the reps Sometimes you're going to burn a few cakes. You're going to you know, lose a few golf balls into the into the water, but you have to get out there, put in the practice. And the big part that you mentioned, role play it, have a partner, ask for specific feedback. You know, getting that awareness as to where you might need to improve is really important because some people are naturally more comfortable with communicating. They're naturally feel good up in front of an audience, but just because you're comfortable 
does not necessarily mean you are great at it and you right. don't have room to improve. There's a lot of people get those two things confused. So the comfort in the skill, I'm comfortable on a golf course. I am a terrible golfer. So you have to make sure, get the practice, put in the reps. I always, that's such a funny point, Scott. I'm always remarkable when people tell me, I am, I'm a really good listener. And, he, and then they go on to like 10 minutes and don't take a breath to tell me why they're a good listener. <laughs> just think you know which i think is the ultimate foundational skill of being a good communicator is self-awareness you yes. have to know you know uh, what you're working with and what you're not perfect ron so as we wrap up one last time uh what is the book again and where's the best place we can get it it's called to be honest lead with the power of truth justice and purpose and if you want to uh, learn more about it you can go to tobehonest.net uh, we did a TV series. So I, I, this is a book of heroes. It's a book of all the people you'd ever want to have as your boss. All the people, you, if you want to emulate people uh, who are great communicators, these are the heroes you want to follow. Um, and I knew I wouldn't be able to use all the interviews. So we videoed them. And there's a TV series called Moments of Truth. You can find all 15 episodes and binge watch them at tobehonest.net. Um, and listen to how these people talk about their own work in the, in the world, how they talk about honesty, how they talk about, you know, inspiring a sense of purpose in others, how they're transparent. Um, and the book's available at Amazon or bookstores near you. And um, so please do uh, go check it out. Follow me on LinkedIn as well. Stay connected there. And if you want to learn more about my work at my firm, uh, Navalent, N-A-V-A-L-E-N-T.com. Lots of white papers and videos and blogs and um, free eBooks um, there. So a treasure trove of resources if you're looking to get better at um, leading and selling. Mm. Great. I will be sure to include uh, those links for, for Navalent as well as tobehonest.net and your LinkedIn profile in the show notes so everyone can easily access them. Ron, thank you so much. Really enjoyed the conversation. Hope you have a great rest of your day. You too, Scott. Thanks so much. Take care. A special thanks again to my guest, Ron Carucci. I absolutely loved Ron's term, answer ATM because so many of us have fallen into that trap of feeling like we always need to have the answer and of being afraid to say, I don't know. This is a phrase that should be in every leader's vocabulary, as long as it is combined with, but I will find out, or let's figure it out together. If you are looking to improve your communication skills, be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can continue to learn from my guests with each new episode. And if you've found value in this show, leaving us a rating or review would be greatly appreciated. Take care.